Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. Father's Day from Centerpoint Church. Y'all excited to be in church today? Man, it is a good day to be in the house. No matter what reason you came, maybe your dad threatened you and he's still bigger than you, so you had to listen, you had to come, or someone was like, come on, it's Father's Day. We are glad that you're here with us. South Campus, would you guys make some noise welcoming in the North Campus right now, joining us live? Simulcast, we're glad you guys are with us. We are one church. In two locations, we are thankful for what God is doing in our gathering. Man, I love Father's Day. It is uh, one of my favorite days of the year, possibly because I'm a dad, and it's like a bonus birthday that I get every year. Uh, So if you forget your dad's birthday, don't forget Father's Day, okay? Uh, For real, though, dads, you make a difference. You are in the family for a purpose, and God can use you in ways that he can only use you. Uh, So this is all I'll say specifically about Father's Day for dads, but dads, man, it's a huge responsibility, but also we get to have so much fun, don't we? Let's have fun, let's love our kids well, and let's engage with our families and see God do something incredible. Give it up for dads and give them some encouragement as they continue to lead and love their families well. The best way to lead is through serving And we're going to see some good dads do some amazing things. Man, today we're starting part two of this series, You in Five Years. We're talking through how a lot of us have dreams of where we hope to be, where we want to be five years from now. But the reality is we don't always connect the decisions we're making today to the five years from now version of ourselves. And we fail to see the, the direct connection between your decisions and the direction of your life. And we talked about this last week, and we're going to hit on this every single week, is that our decisions determine direction. The decisions that you make today are leading to somewhere, and the question is, five years from now, is that going to be the place that you want to be? Now, I know for some of us, it can feel like time is, is going so slowly, right? Like the days, the individual days, especially if you were finishing up, whether you're a student or a teacher, finishing up the school year last month, man, those days creeped by, right? Or if you're right now, a lot of us are planning vacations, we're ready to go somewhere, we're trying to figure something out, and, and those days are creeping by. They're going so slowly. But as you look back at your life, you can see days go slow, but years just fly by. You think how fast that time flies, and this is the reality too, even, you look, think about five years ago. Okay, for some of us, we think about five years ago, we go back to 2007, right? Like, you, you think 2007 is still five years ago. Five years ago is 2014, okay? Like, you ever see, like, I'm a huge sports person, so I watch sports, and I see uh, clips from, you know, 20 years ago this happened. I'm like, that looked like that happened in, like, the 80s. It was the 90s, or 10 years ago, such and such thing happened. You're like, man, it looks ancient, some of us technology has progressed so quickly, but also, man, we forget how, how, how fast time flies. Anyway, five years ago, uh, we had a, an incredible movie that came out that all of us were impacted by us in some way or another, especially if you have young kids. We had the movie Frozen come out. Y'all know Frozen. 
You know, you got some people cheering over here for the movie, right? And we, that song, I won't sing the song, but y'all know Let It Go. Okay, you know, you, you know, let it go, and I'm going to let go of my dream singing, right? Like, all these things happen. And in my family, we got some, some young girls, right? So we're constantly playing princess. Like, and I'm totally okay with it because I'm always the good guy. I'm always the prince. Actually, my, my four-year-old and my three-year-old argue over which prince I am to see which one I'm married to constantly. Uh, so for Frozen, uh, it's my, my oldest is Elsa, because obviously she's the oldest. She's Elsa. The second one, Lucy, is, is Anna. And then the baby is Olaf, because she's just a baby. She has no say. I'm Kristoff, so I'm like, he's not the prince, but he's like the good guy. And I don't know why this always happens, but my wife is Kristoff's reindeer, Sven. And my wife, I don't encourage this, but my wife is always, like, the bad person in these stories. Like, she's always, like, Mother Gothel, the evil stepmother, the bad person. And I'm like, I'll play princess again. I'm, like, I don't encourage it, but, like, for real, I could take a test on the Disney princesses, and I probably would pass it because I got young kids. Also, five years ago was the last time that we had an NBA Finals that didn't involve the Golden State Warriors, some of you NBA fans in the house, you're like, yeah, I know, I remember that. It feels like forever ago. But we also love to see greatness, so don't hate on greatness. But then even five years ago also we had, y'all remember the ice bucket challenge, right? The ALS ice bucket challenge where you would challenge people. I'm going to challenge three people to donate money or dump the ice bucket on their head, and, and you dump on your head. If you're like, like I did, a lot of us, we, we said, I'm going to donate money and I'm going to do it. Man, how many of y'all, you dumped the ice on your head? Anybody in the house, North Campus, you put your hands up, I can see you too, okay? Man, like so many, we, we did this also five years ago. We had hit songs that out, came out like Happy by Pharrell Williams or All About That Bass by Megan Trainer, right? Like all you're like, that, that was my anthem. Like let's get down on All About That Bass. And again, you think about it, some of you even, you're not going to listen to anything else I say because you're singing one of those songs in your head the whole time, right? But how fast five years goes, for some of you, you're looking into college, you're looking to graduating college, you're looking into whatever, you're looking into buying a house. Some of you go, five years ago, I couldn't even imagine where I'd be today. And it goes so fast. And all of us, like if we're really honest, like we want our lives to be good in five years. We want them to be better then than they are right now. No matter what your standard of good or desire is, you say, man, five years from now, I want things to be better. Nobody wants to wake up in five years and say, man, I hope my life really sucks. Nobody's like, man, if, if I could stage some kind of financial crisis meltdown over the next five years, that would be great. Actually, in three and a half to four years, could I go through a horrible divorce? Like, could I have a horrible relationship with my kids, with my siblings, or whoever it is? Like, like, could I, like, lose my job? Could my house burn down in the next five years? That'd be great. Nobody wants your life to suck, but here's the reality is some of us, if we're honest, if we look at the decisions we're making right now, that's exactly the direction that we're heading. And this is the reality for us. In order to have what I would say, like even think about success in life. Like you don't want your life to be bad. You want to be successful in life. In order for us to be successful in life, it takes one thing that is incredibly powerful but really hard to wrap your hands around and actually get it into your life. It's consistency. Consistency. The things that you do when no one's looking, the things that I do when no one's watching, the things that I do automatically, the consistency is powerful in our lives. But here's also the reality is you want to be successful, but the reality is you will become successful at whatever you do most consistently. Now think about 
for you, what are those things you do most consistently? Like, are those things you really want to be successful at? Maybe it's a habit of uh, engaging with some kind of substance or some kind of thing, even food. I would put food into that category of, like, I'm going to engage with this in an unhealthy way, which there's, I mean, we could talk about unhealthy ways on total opposite sides of the spectrum, right? You can be unhealthy, and I eat whatever I want, whatever I want. You could be unhealthy on the side where food is still your master. It just looks like prepackaged meals throughout the week. Same master, different manifestation, though. For some of you, it could be overspending, it could be how you handle your finances. If you want to be successful, if you want to retire wealthy and have all this money to give away and to love people and bless people and just, man, I just want to be the generous old person at whatever stage of life I am. Like, I just want to be there. For a lot of us, like, if we want to be successful at that, we got to consistently do something right now. But the thing we have to change right now is honestly one of the most difficult things to change. The thing we have to change right now, in order to be changed and different in five years, the thing we have to change right now is our thinking, you got to think about things differently. And even today, we're going to talk through a couple of different ways that you change your thinking. But here's the reality. Change is so hard because we are masters at making excuses. Aren't we? I mean, like, you're like, man, it's raining outside. I can't go for a run. Man, you open up your fridge, there's nothing inside. I can't. I mean, we just need to order again. No, I, I found it super cute, and it fits me. I have to buy it. Right? Like, like, we make excuses all over the place, and we justify things, and that, when we make excuses, it makes change incredibly difficult. And even if you say, like, I don't believe what you believe about the scriptures, that's totally fine. You know this is true in your life. And what I would encourage you, even today, as you find yourself here, whether you're here in one of our locations, you're listening online, is I would give you two things about the Christian faith, about following Jesus. First thing I'd say is why not try it? Like if you're unsure what you believe or even how much you believe of the scriptures, of the message of Jesus, what I would just say is just try some of the stuff we talk about. Even today, like try handling your relationships where you truly love people the way you love yourself and see what happens in those relationships. Handle your finances in a way that you don't owe anyone anything. You're not enslaved to anything. You have financial freedom to be able to use the resources you have in the way you want to and, and see, is it better for you? Try what Jesus says and see if he's true. The second thing is because I, I believe if you look through scripture, you see Jesus calls us to a do first faith. You look at Jesus calling the early followers, calling the people, the people, we, man, these people we make statues of, their names are in the Bible. They go, how did he call them? He didn't call them to believe anything. He called them to follow. He called them to do something. And the truth is, when you do things, it doesn't change your standing with God, but it changes God's standing with you. Because you take a step, and what we'd say faith, you take a step of trust, and you say, I'm going to trust Jesus on this thing. He says that I need to do this small thing. I'm going to do that. And then you see, wow, that actually worked. I don't know if I buy everything that he says, but I buy that thing, and I'm going to take another step. I'm going to take another step. And so we have to remember, you don't have to believe everything in order to follow. You just have to start following. Because I believe as we walk through life, and all of us, man, we all have struggles. We all have doubts. We all have things we're trying to figure out. Areas that we're not sure if we trust Jesus or God on. Every single one of us have those things. But as I'm able to take steps and walk towards Jesus and follow him, then I can understand he is who he said he is. And it gives me even greater trust to take another step. So I'd say try it. But also remember, you don't have to believe it in order to do it. 
But when you start to do it, you just might find yourself believing it. And if you try to change, you know, man, change is hard. It's incredibly difficult because I make excuses also really hard because my heart is kind of divided within myself. And you probably find yourself saying something like the Apostle Paul. This is what he said in a letter he wrote to the Romans. Before I read it, I want to tell you, check out the CC app. If you have a phone, download the CC app and follow along. We have message, sermon notes. Follow along there because you can see all these passages of Scripture. You have some blanks to fill in. You have an area to take notes. You will remember things more if you write them down. So I would encourage you, write stuff down. Check it out. This is what Paul said in Romans 7. You all ready with us at the South Campus and the North Campus? You all ready? I mean, you didn't have to clap. You could have just said yes. I'm just kidding. Give me just a second here. Thank you. I do not understand what I do. This is Paul. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. Anybody here relate with that? You're thinking, oh, yeah, that's me. Then he goes on. He says, And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. We're going to talk about that in a second. It says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. This is like the struggle you want to do. Again, you know this is true of you. You want to do things, but you can't carry that out. It says, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep doing. Man, it's quiet all across the place because that's you. That's me. I have the desires. I want to do the good things, and I keep falling short. And not even like the standard that I would set for you, not even the standard that Scripture would set for you, the standard you make for yourself. You don't live up to your standards. And you have a struggle. And inside of you, there are two natures waging war. Scripture teaches this. You've probably seen this in a cartoon at some point where there's like the little devil on one side and the little angel on the other side. Y'all seen that in a cartoon somewhere where you're seeing the decision, trying to figure out, do the bad thing or the good thing. This actually, they got that idea from Scripture where Paul talks about this idea of you as a believer, as a follower, just you have two natures in you. Two sets of desires, and they are constantly waging war. They're actually hostile against each other. One of them will win, and one of them will lose. And the, the, it talks about the desires of the flesh, the sinful nature, as Paul puts it. Those are desires that you have that you want to meet outside of God. You want to do it on your own. You want to figure out a way to get this on your own. A lot of times, those are good desires, Right, like it could be you're hungry. It could be a desire so, so like for food, for provision, for sex, for what like like financial success. A lot of times they start as good desires, but I step outside of the way God says to meet that need, that desire, and I just think about myself. Now, all of us, man, we're great at making excuses, but we're also every single one of us. We can be incredibly selfish. If you don't think so, just ask whoever you're sitting near that knows you. Right? Don't really ask them, okay? Because we don't need fights in church. But here's the reality. You know you're selfish. I don't have to point that out to you. And you know, when I only think of myself and I only love myself, that means I'm not loving anyone else around me, including God. Those would be, in a simple way, that is the desires of your flesh, where I just wanted things my way. I would not submit to anything else I just want. And you have done that, but also it's easy to recognize this in other people. 
Some of us have been around some people where they have had desires and they have wanted things and they only cared about themselves and meeting what they wanted. And you look at that and you say, that's destructive and that's wrong. But the other nature that Paul talks about is the nature of the, the spirit, the desires of the spirit of God, where God is working in your life to give you his desires, where you actually want to love people the way you love yourself. You actually want to give things away. Some of you, you've trusted Christ. You, you're walking through this relationship with God, and you're going, man, I've never wanted to give anything away my entire life, but for whatever reason, I want to give stuff away now. Like, I've never wanted to serve somebody else. I didn't ever want to volunteer, but now I feel like I have to volunteer. I have this desire in me. You drive by someone, you think, I don't know why. I feel like I have to meet that need for them. I have to do something for them. But I'd say that's the Spirit of God working in you. As a follower of Jesus, you have that. And there are two natures waging war inside of you, and it's really, really difficult to change. Even to the point where, where Paul goes in verse 24 here of chapter 7, it says, For what a wretched man that I am, what a miserable person. Have y'all felt miserable? I have. It says, Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? The reality is that he knew he needed rescuing. He wasn't strong enough. And you know, again, whether you agree with what I'm talking about in a biblical, scriptural sense or not, you've seen errors in your life. No matter how disciplined you are, no matter how successful you are, every one of us has that thing that we wish we could change, but we just can't. And what we have to do in order to change who we are in five years, we have to change what we think right now. We got to shift our thinking. So we're going to look at a couple areas where we need to shift our thinking. The first thing we need to shift our thinking in is we need to think who instead of do. We need to think who instead of do. Y'all say that with me, North Campus, South Campus. Let's say that together. Think who instead of do. One more time. Think who instead of do. It's back to the point of identity. See, Paul is wrestling and struggling through this because he's going, man, I want to do these things. I can't do these things. He has to settle who he is before he can decide what he's going to do. So a scripture, if you read the scriptures, you'll see all over the place, Paul and Jesus, other writers, other authors are pointing to your identity. Paul says things like you're children of God, you're members of God's household, you're citizens of heaven, always pointing back to if you have faith in Jesus, you have access to God. That means you get adoption as children of God. And you start to change who you are, and when you understand your new identity, that leads you to change what you do. See, all of us have felt the, the opposite effects of this, right? How many of us have unused exercise equipment in our house? Come on, put your hands up. It's okay. There's no shame here. There's a whole bunch of other people. If you're looking for unused exercise equipment, find someone who lifted their hand up and offer them cash. They'll probably take it, right? But what happened? You were sitting down at home and you're watching TV and the infomercial came on and you thought, man, I can have a six pack by putting this belt on me. I can get like, I can look that good with the shake weight, like the Bowflex, like I'm like, of course, because the people in those commercials, that's the only equipment that they use, right? But I can look like them two minutes a day. 
right? And what we do is we go and we find stuff. We say, I want to start doing stuff, and we don't change our identity. So for me, I was this past year, I was like, I want to start running. And some of you, you like running. You enjoy running, right? Uh, some of you are like, I don't know why anyone enjoys running. That sounds like miserable to me. But what do you do? You're going to go run. I go, I got some nice new shoes. Some of you, you find running uh, as an excuse to buy new stuff, right? So I got shoes because I need new shoes to start running. Because if I buy the shoes, then I'm going to run. Right? That's what we think. Then I also got some other things in here. I had this, this fancy uh, fanny pack. Check this out. You, you light it up. So you, y'all are laughing. Okay. You're going to see there's a few things in here. See, I don't look good running. So I go and I run early in the morning when it's still dark out so nobody can see me. Okay? I got a headlamp so I can run. It's not because I'm disciplined. It's because I don't look good. So I don't want people to see me. I got a headlamp so I don't trip on anything as I'm running because this is a really good thing for me. I got my Bluetooth headphones because those will help me run faster. Right, like, but what do we do? We gotta find all the stuff. You're searching online. I got a headband in here because I got a little bit of hair here. I got my clothes, my running clothes. Some of you, you're like, I want to exercise so I can get a new outfit. I seen you at the gym. You're thinking like, I want to look cute while I exercise. I think you missed the point. But here's the reality: we buy all this stuff, and buying all this stuff is gonna make me healthy, right? Having all this stuff is going to force me to do, and we even justify it like, well, it's an investment. And I spent all the money. Because I spent the money, now I'm going to have to do it. But owning this stuff doesn't make me a runner. Owning this stuff isn't going to make me a healthy person. It's simply adding things to my life where I go, hey, I'm going to add all these things, and that's going to change who I am. You're not going to change who you are by trying to do more stuff. This is where I was reading this book a couple months ago. It's called Atomic Habits. And it talked about how you had to start change at identity. And you had to think about yourself differently. And instead of just saying, well, I'm going to do stuff, you start thinking, I am a healthy person. What do healthy people do? Healthy people eat this way. Healthy people sleep this way. Healthy people recover this way. And healthy people do not skip exercise. No matter what it is. And you got to set a small measurable goal. So I started doing that. So I said, okay, I'm going to go run. I'm going to run 10 minutes a day, three times a week. Right? And for me, like my wife and I, we've ran all different races. We haven't run a whole bunch of them, but like we've run significant races. I'm like, 10 minutes is nothing. 10 minutes is embarrassing. But I couldn't grow a habit until I started a habit. So I go, okay, I'm going to run 10 minutes, and I will not miss. And you know what happened? There were days where in the past I think I need to run two or three miles because that's a worthy exercise of me. I was going to say 25, 30 minutes, I don't have time for that. I'd skip my run in the morning. I'd get home, eat dinner, put the kids to bed, go, I'm really tired. But guess what? I can go 10 minutes, and I'm a healthy person. And healthy people do not skip exercises. I do this thing because of who I am. The reality is for a lot of us, though, we, we treat church like this. We start getting stuff around us, right? We start, we find, man, I need to get, I come to church. You start attending for a little bit, and you're like, okay, I need to stop saying those things because we don't say those things, I guess. I need to stop over here. I need to start smoking that thing. I can't do that as much. I got to oh, my, I got to clean up my, my social media life. I got to, I probably should start serving, right? Because, like, you talk about that's a big deal. I need to do that thing. I should, I mean, maybe get my kids in kids ministry or velocity, or maybe I should start a community group. Like, we start doing all these things, right? And we never change our identity. And you think that through doing, you have the power to change who you are, but the reality is you don't. And when the going gets tough, you're going to say, I'm not going to do these things anymore because that's not who I am. 
instead of thinking and understanding your identity in Christ and who God says you are, you say, no, I, I serve, I worship through my financial generosity because I'm a child of God. I don't worship money, I worship God with my money. I'm not going to go and be part of a community group because I have to. I'm going to go be part of a community group because they're my brothers and sisters and I need to be with family. Like, I'm not going to go and start serving somewhere because, well, we just need more volunteers in kids' ministry. Yo, we need more volunteers everywhere, okay? But here's the deal. We don't ask you to serve for us. We ask you to serve for you. Because we know Christianity, Jesus' message is a do first faith. You go and start doing stuff, and you're going to see God do stuff in you and through you. We got to get back to our identity because here's the reality what we believe about ourselves will show up in how we behave. What you believe about yourself, well, you see us all over the place. You see people say things like, I'm just not good with money, I'm just not a good salesman. I just can't do that. I just, I'm just, I can't, I can't, I can't. And what they're saying, they're expressing their, their belief in who they are instead of saying, no, I can do that because I'm victorious through Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I'm a child of God. I have power through the spirit of God to do what he's called me to do because of who I am. We got to think who before do. Second thing we got to shift our thinking on is we got to think about how instead of what. We gotta think through how instead of what. Y'all say that with me. North Campus, join us with this. Think how instead of what. See, right now we're finishing up the NBA Finals that finished this week, the NHL uh, Stanley Cup Finals that finished up this week. We're in the midst of the Women's World Cup, which I didn't know that was like a month long. Okay, I was watching a game with my daughters the other day. So I'm trying to help them see, like, look, like I'm trying to give them every role model we can roll out in front of them as, like, a strong woman. I'm like, check out these women playing for the country. It's awesome. Like, look at what they're doing here, right? We were watching gymnastics the other day because I'm like, check out how, like, you could do this because I want to speak truth over my kids the way that God speaks truth over me. All right? So you have all these games, all these things. Here's the reality. In the Women's World Cup, do you know every team has the same goal? Like, everybody, they want to win. They want to score goals. They don't want to get goals scored on them. Right? Everybody wants to win. And there is a difference in talent between the countries and the teams of any uh, competitive game that's measuring up. There's always a difference in talent, but there's also, and even more importantly at times, a difference in the process to prepare them for the game. And as you look through Scripture, you can see God is a God of process. The, the how is the process. The what is the goal. Now, all of us, we want to commit to the goal, right? We want to get better grades, but we don't want the process. We don't want to study. We want to be financially secure, but we don't want to invest and manage our money. We want to have better relationships, but we don't want to spend the time face-to-face talking to people and building that quality of time. We want the goal, but we don't want the process. But God, man, you see this all over the place in Scripture, that God is a God of the process. There's one passage, even in particular, you think about David. Y'all know about David and Goliath, right? Everybody, even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably have heard about David and Goliath, right? Goliath's like eight feet tall, big, scary dude. David's a teenager. They go and they fight. David kills Goliath. Rah, rah, rah. You put him up on the shoulders. We're going to go get pizza at Pizza Hut, okay? The reality is that's one small part of David's life. 
See, the, the whole story, or part of the story of David, I should say, if you go back, check out 1 Samuel 16 and 17. You can read that for yourself. You totally should read it for yourself. See, uh, God has a, a king. His king's name is Saul, who actually God was telling the people, hey, you don't need a king. I'm going to be the king for you. You don't need it. The people said, no, we want a king. We want a king. We want a king. They said, fine. They picked the guy Saul. Saul did okay for a little bit and then rejected God. And because he rejected God, God rejected him and said, you're not going to be the king anymore. I'm going to go find somebody else. Okay, so he sends his, his servant, the guy named Samuel, to go, and God tells Samuel, go to Bethlehem, go to the house of Jesse. This guy has a lot of sons. One of them is the next king. So he gets over to Bethlehem. He sits down with Jesse. He's telling him, hey, so one of your sons is the next king. Okay, sounds great. So bring your sons in here. Let me pick one of them, and we'll see what God says. So you go, check the first one. Nope. Check the next one. Nope. Check the next one. Nope. They're going, do you have any other sons? And Jesse goes, well, I got one. He's the youngest. He's out in the field taking care of the sheep. Like, Jesse, his own dad didn't think he was king material. Like, he, oh, someone's going to be king. It's definitely not David. We're going to leave him out there. David comes in immediately. Samuel sees this is the next king of Israel. He anoints him. And then guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. There wasn't a parade there wasn't like, oh, I guess I get your room now. You go share a room with them. There wasn't anything. I think what happened is his dad, Jesse, said, oh, you're going to be king someday, but you're not king today. Go back out to the sheep. And David humbly went back out to the sheep and kept taking care of the sheep and kept taking care of the sheep. And a lion would come and try to attack the sheep. And David would go after the lion, and he'd get the sheep. He'd kill the lion. And then a bear would come after the sheep, and David would go after with his stick and his, his slingshot with stones. Can you imagine the stones that guy had to go after a bear with his slingshot with a stone, right? Y'all, that joke was funnier than you just gave credit. Like, come on, let's go. It's Father's Day. We can be a little, I don't know if risque would be the right word. North Campus, I know you love that. Here's the deal. He, he goes after the bear. He snatches the lamb out of its mouth, beats the bear up, goes home. And guess what? If he would have went to his family and said, yo, guys, I killed a lion today. You know what they would have told him? Good job. You did your job. We're not going to throw a party for you for doing what was expected of you. And then a while later, there's a, a war that breaks out between the Philistine people, that was with Goliath's people, and then the Israelites, that was David's people, and they all go to war. But David doesn't get to go to war. David stays home and takes care of the sheep. And he wakes up one day, and he did not think, I'm going to kill a giant today. He said, I need to go take care of the sheep. And his dad came and said, hey, David, I need you to take this food to your brothers at war. Basically, like, you're the Uber Eats driver for your brothers. He gets over... He's there, Goliath comes out, starts yelling these curses, blaspheming God's name, and David's just looking around like, who in the world, like, who's going to stand up? Who's going to do something? He doesn't step in and say, hey, everybody, I'm the next king of Israel, follow me. He looks around, hey, what in the world's going on? Who's going to stand up? Who's going to fight this guy? And word gets up to the king, the current king, Saul, who David knew because David was in his house calming him down with music when he had fits of rage. He gets up to the king, and the king and David talk, and he's like, dude, you're just a boy. And David goes into explaining to the king how, how he had been preparing for today was greater than what he was going to do today. He goes into the stories of the lion came and the bears came and this guy Goliath is going to be just like any of them. Just let me go do my thing that I've been prepared to do. And he goes out and you know the end of the story. 
Here's the reality, though. So many of us, we want to take care of giants without taking care of the sheep. Don't be a person that thinks you can take on a giant when you haven't been the person taking care of the sheep because God is preparing something in that season of life. I don't know what it is. You might not know what it is. God knows what it is. You think David, when he's sitting there with these herd of sheep, is thinking, man, someday I'm going to have to fight a giant. I'll make sure I'm right on with this slingshot thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got to prepare this. I got to prepare. Like, he's not thinking about tomorrow. He's thinking, what do I got to do today? And God is a God of the process. You see it all over scripture. We don't have time to talk about all the people. I wish we had time to talk about people. People like Joseph. You go back to Genesis, a guy named Joseph. He went, he eventually led in the palace with the Pharaoh. He was second in command, but he had to go through the prison in order to get to the palace. That's the process. People like Moses. Moses led the whole nation of Israel through the wilderness. Yeah, he had to learn how to lead a flock of sheep through the wilderness before he could lead the people. That's the process. People like Daniel. You've heard of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel had powerful prayers in the privacy of his own house before he went and prayed in the lion's den to close the lion's mouth. You want to have those kinds of prayers, you got to have the private kind of prayers. People like Peter who had to go through the denial of Jesus before he was willing to die for Jesus. That is the process we go through with life, and that is what God's called us to. And for so many of us, we need to remember and understand, before God's going to do something incredible through you, he's probably going to ask you to go through something incredible. And if we're honest and we're real, for most of us, it's something incredibly difficult. Those are some of the most powerful stories. People who said, man, I went through hell, but I did not give up faith in heaven. And what God is doing with you right now, what God has you walking through is as great as what God wants to do through you later. You got to rethink not what, you got to focus on the how. The last thing we got to think about, last thing we got to think about is we need to think ultimate instead of immediate. We got to think ultimate instead of immediate. See, the reality of life is, and you've seen this all over the place, we live in a, a sowing and reaping world, meaning that those are like harvesting terms. You know, I'm sowing seed, I'm planting seeds, I will reap something later, right? My, my yard, uh, we, we had to dig up a tree, this little thing, and uh, have a dirt spot, so I had to plant seeds. And you would think like that grass seed was one of my children. Some of you, ha- you live with someone like that where I'm out there and I'm like watering it, talking to it reading the stories, tucking it in before bed. I didn't do all those things. But I'm out there focused on, on this grass and helping it grow, trusting I planted the seed. I'm going to take care of this stuff, and eventually something's going to happen. The problem is we're so impatient. We don't like to wait on anything. I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday. He was talking about this GPS thing he had, and he said, you think about it. We take this for granted, but this GPS has to go up like thousands and thousands of feet into the air to speak with a satellite and come right back down to tell me how to go somewhere and do something. And think about how impatient we get with our GPS, right? Like, if you have to sit there and and YouTube doesn't load your video right away, and you got to watch two of those little rotations, you're like, I'm done. For a call, call the internet provider. We are, I'm going to raise some hell over this, right? I can say that word. It's in the Bible, right? Like, I need to, I need to get them, bring some judgment, some kind of, I'm going to look in the Bible from judgmental things I can say to them, right? Like, we're so impatient, aren't we? Every single one of us. We don't like to wait on things. 
The danger is I'm going to do what feels good in the immediate time, and I'm going to forget about the ultimate later. The reality is the things that I'm choosing right now, the things that feel good right now, a lot of times will lead to regret later. Some of you, you've experienced that kind of regret. You've, you've made a choice, and this is the reality too. God has made us as people with senses, right? We can touch things. We can smell things. We can taste things. This is why dads, hopefully later you can grill a steak up, and it tastes good. And think about it. A steak is so good. It's nice and crispy. If you do it right, crispy on the outside, tender, melt in your mouth on the inside. He didn't make gray goop that you had to eat to meet all your nutritional needs. You just take three scoops of goop, you eat that, and you're done. He made things like fruits and vegetables and meat and all sorts of things that you can eat and enjoy and you can smell and taste and touch and feel like God made us to have senses to feel things, but I can't just do things that feel good all the time. I have to look to the ultimate. I have to look and go, okay, even though this is incredible, it feels good. I enjoy what I'm doing. I have to be able to step and take a step to say, what is the ultimate thing I desire? Not just for my life, but what is the ultimate thing that God would desire for your life? Again, if you're a follower of Jesus, you gotta think, okay, what does following Jesus in this instant mean? Like today, right now, what am I supposed to do? Paul even wrote about this in a a book called Galatians where he wrote a letter to this church in Galatia. And he says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. See, he says this because it is so easy to get tired when you're doing the good things, isn't it? Like, most of us don't get tired of doing the bad things. Bad things are fun. Bad things are immediately enjoyable. Don't grow tired of doing the good things because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The reality is, through your life, you are sowing seeds of life, or destruction. Through the choices you're making today, you are choosing the tomorrow that you are walking towards. Again, your decisions determine your destination. So what are you choosing right now? Even, again, the idea of what are you consistent at? You will become successful at whatever you do most consistently. So even have a moment of introspection and thinking, what are the things that I'm doing most consistently? What do I ultimately want? Like for some of us, it's, man, you, we wake up in the morning and we have, the, the first thing we got to go to is we got to run to a cup of coffee and then we run to our phone and we scroll through all the stuff. Is there anything wrong with social media? There's nothing wrong with social media, but it can have a wrong part of my heart. And I just scroll, 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 and I'm doing that consistently and eventually I'm going to be successful at that, at looking at other people's lives and hoping my life was as good as theirs. Right? For some of us, we go, man, consistently I get up and I leave the house and I work all day. I work really hard. I get home. My kids are in bed. I hardly even see them. I'm really successful at work. Is that what you want to be successful at in five years? Like for every single one of us, we should say, well, I, want to be, like, I want to be successful at work in five years, of course, but that's not the only thing that matters in my life. For some of us, even financially, you're going to make, I'm, I'm making decisions right now, and it's enjoyable decisions right now, and immediately it's so good, but long-term, man, it's going to reap destruction in my life. 
See, every single one of us, through the choices we make, through the things that we're choosing, we are deciding to cast a vote in one direction or another in our life. Like, through every interaction I have with people where I can choose, I'm going to cast a vote to gossip and slander and talk down about someone who's not there, or I'm going to cast a vote and say, no, I am not the kind of person that does that. And wherever you're casting your votes throughout your days is eventually where you're going to end up, where you're going to be. So my question for you is, are you sowing seeds that are going to lead to destruction or life? See, Jesus taught us is that he came to live the life we could not live, and he came to offer us the life we all want, life to the fullest, the ultimate fullest, not just the immediate fullest. And every single one of us, we can acknowledge and we can turn and trust Jesus because this, here's the reality. Is you got brokenness. I got brokenness. Jesus doesn't have brokenness, and he'll take ours for free. And Paul, the guy who wrote this passage in Romans 7, where he said, man, like, I'm such a wretched person. I'm so miserable. The next chapter, chapter 8, he wrote that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, for those who have shifted their identity from being an enemy of God, satisfying their own sinful desires, to now being a child of God, satisfying the desires God has for them. He says there is no condemnation, not just a little bit, not just that he lessened the load. He says, there's nothing left. So my question for you as we close is what's your identity? What are you holding on to saying, this is who I am? Because the truth of Scripture is, is Paul writes, and he even talks about this in, in chapter 6 of Romans. And again, we put the chapters and verses, we put those in so we could reference and we could read it all corporately together in an organized way. Paul wasn't writing those in. He was just writing a letter as God led him. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 6. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. You, man, someone in here, you have a body that is ruled by sin and you are tired of that. It's exhausting. A moment of pleasure, and then later you regret it and go, man, I wish I didn't have to be this way. Paul gives us a solution. He crucified himself so that sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. The reality is whoever you enslave yourself to is who you receive power from. If I'm going to enslave myself to things that will lead to destruction, I'm going to receive their power back in my life and I will be destroyed. Maybe not today. We're not talking about today. We're talking about long term from now. Long term from now, the things that you're choosing are leading to destruction. And this is where Jesus holds up a huge waving flag and says, there's no destruction over here. There's no condemnation over here. I'm offering you life. The way you receive life is through death of yourself where you say, I'm not going to trust in myself any longer. I'm going to turn and trust Jesus. Because here's the reality. The power to change does not rest on your shoulders. It rests on his shoulders. He's taken everything from us that could hurt us and said, I will give you life. And some of you in here, you say, I want that life. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time and you've been doing all the stuff. 
And people would even look at you and say, man, they're an example of what a Christian is like. But inside, you know, you're just trying to surround yourself with stuff you're doing to put on a show for people. I think we got so many people in our churches that you know how to play the right part, but you've never changed your heart towards Jesus. You've never turned to him. You've never trusted him. I think today you're understanding that can change. And you probably feel embarrassed. God, tell you what, man, you got life. Who cares what anyone else thinks? You receive healing. Who cares what they think? You receive the joy that God has given you. Who cares what they think? You know what we're going to do? We're going to celebrate. Because when people go from death to life, Jesus celebrates. And we are Jesus' brothers and sisters. We are children of God in his house. So we will celebrate. Would you all get to your feet and celebrate what God is doing in our gathering through the changing of people's hearts, people's lives. North Campus, you guys, up to your feet too. Put your hands together. God is doing something in our gathering. God is going to continue doing something incredible. And here's the deal. When you can redefine your identity... When you can look and say, I'm not going to be a victim anymore, but I'm going to be victorious in Christ. Where you can say, man, I'm not going to hold back and be embarrassed. I'm going to hold on to the promises that God has given me. I'm not simply going to be afraid about tomorrow. I'm going to trust in God for tomorrow. I am not going to worry. I'm going to worship because I'm a child of God. Man, you have incredible power that God gives you. Because God gives you his self because you're his kid. And kids share the DNA with their father. All over the house, would you bow your heads? North Campus as well, you bow your heads. We're going to pray in just a second. But before we do, just out of respect for people around you, if you could bow your head. Because some people, man, you're working through some stuff. You're thinking through some stuff. Some of you, even today, you're saying, Justin, you're talking about identity. You're talking about being a child of God. You're talking about children of God having the power of God. Justin, I believe I'm a child of God, but I haven't experienced the power of God to change, and I want to. If that's you, you'd say, Justin, I believe I'm a child of God, but I haven't experienced his power to change. Would you put your hand up right now? You can put your hand up. I see you over in the back. I see you here in the middle, over on the left side. You can put your hand up. You can put it right back down saying, I believe I'm a child of God, but I don't, I don't have that power. Man, I would hope that you would experience the power of God in a greater way, that you could walk towards him, you could learn who he is and how good he is, and that he would just change your life in an incredible way. But also, I believe there's people here, North Campus and South Campus, people in our gathering who say, Justin, I've never shifted my identity. I've never trusted Jesus Man, I would love to celebrate that with you today. We have some practical things. You can, you can fill out the, the card on the chair in front of you that says, I have decided, and we would throw a party for you at the after party. But also, I want to pray for you. If you're saying, Justin, I, I want to shift my identity. I want to become a child of God through faith in Jesus. Jesus did not simply say there was a way. Jesus said he is the way, and he showed us that through his death and resurrection, taking all of your, the, your dysfunction, all the bad things that you and I have ever done, he takes that on himself and he gives you a, his life, his freedom. And if you're here and you say, Justin, I want that life, that freedom, that identity as a child of God, would you raise your hand right now? You can put your hand way up high. I see you over there in the back. You can put your hand up. You can put it right back down. Man, we would love to connect with you sincerely. We are in a, a church where we love to connect and help people take steps of growth and faith. And we are thankful for what God is doing in our gathering. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much. God, for working in our gathering and through our gathering. God, for, for showing up and being here with us. God, I pray that we could be a people 
God, who are passionately following you because we trust that you are the best thing for us. And God, I also pray that we could be people who identify as your children and even in the moments of temptation, even in the moments of difficulty, that we could say who we are and we are yours and we do not have to run to our old master's sin and destruction anymore. We can walk to your life. Thank you for giving us your new life. We love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.